Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Roscommon Dairy Beef 500 farmer, Martin Connolly, to discuss how he has incorporated red clover in the last year into his system, the pros, cons, tips and advice he has for anyone considering red clover this year. Martin, you're very welcome. Why did you decide to put in red clover? I thought about it last year, um, but the, the weather year went didn't suit, so I really concentrated on, on getting in the crop this year. Um, but I suppose for, for the quality of the silage and, and maybe to gain more protein in the diet through, through a grass system and also to cut down on the cost of uh, the nitrogen input into the silage crops, I suppose they were the two main um, reasons why, why I consider the red clover, Catherine. And can you talk through, I suppose, how you prepared and how you sowed the red clover crop? Yeah, uh, no bother. Um, well, I had a 10-acre field and I took it up for silage in March and we cut the crop off that day to May. And I had to leave it for about two weeks to green up a little bit. And then we went in and sprayed it with two litres of uh, Roundup. And um, about the 3rd of June, we put a really heavy coat of farmyard manure on it. And uh, I ploughed it in then immediately. And um, weather was, was favourable at the time. So I got in to till it and sow it. Actually, the bank holiday in June, the 6th of June. So I gave it two runs of the power harrow. We gave it two tonne of lime, uh, three ton, or uh, three bags to the acre of tin, tin, 20. And uh, then I went in with the, with the seed and um, rolled it after that. So we went in with 14 kilos of a mix of uh, perennial ryegrass and red clover. And what seed mixture did you use? Uh, it was there was seven and a half kilos of perennial ryegrass, uh, four kilos of red clover, and 0.5 kilos, a half a kilo of white clover. So um, that, that was the, the mix we used, yeah. And once you had reseeded then, Martin, when did you apply a post-emergent spray? Uh, it, was, it was about five weeks later. And... Um, it's funny, um, we had pretty hot weather at the time and we were kind of afraid to go in with the spray too soon um, that we'd maybe hurt the clover a little bit. And uh, it had matured a little bit, maybe more than we'd have liked when we did go in with the spray. And it probably did maybe affect the clover a little bit, um, the amount of clover that, you know, or the way it matured in the crop, I'd say. Uh, going into the first cut, it probably had a bit of an effect. Now, but the, it was really hot weather, so we we really wanted to get in and get the weeds covered. And it was kind of you know, uh, uh, it was a tight call to see which was the best thing to do. We anyway, we went in and sprayed it, and we're, we're glad we did. You know, it's, it's, especially for the docks, we would have a problem with docks in that particular field if we didn't. You know, Martin, you mentioned that the seed was put in on the sixth of June. When did you take the first cut then? Yeah, we, we cut it uh, the 9th of August, Catherine, and uh, it was really hot weather as well at the same time. So, like, we, we probably would have been thinking of leaving it down for three days. And um, we mowed it at dinner time. And uh, the following day, when I looked at it, it was really beginning to, to dry out on top. And we thought that the clover might, might be starting to shrivel a little bit. So, we kind of uh, went in and uh, we raked the crop straight away and we picked it in the following morning. So we probably, we only really wilted it for two days. And um, 
I think it, it came in at 33% dry matter, that crop. And what was the yield like? Uh, it was 4.8 um, bales to the acre. A good crop, yeah. Good crop, considering. That's, that's without any added nitrogen. like. What fertiliser did you apply then, Martin, after harvesting? Yeah, we went in immediately with 2,000 gallons of, of cattle, sorry. And, uh, and that was it. There was no, no, nothing else applied to then. And uh, the second cut came in uh, the 25th of September. And now the, the clover had, had, was more dominant in the second cut. was a lot more obvious and there was, there was a good cover of clover in it. Like it was quite noticeable there on the field. The first thing you see was the clover really, you know. And uh, it was four and a half bales to the acre on the second cut, uh, the 25th of September. Uh, that wouldn't be as high a dry matter. We, the weather wasn't just as warm, and um, we thought we had it. Maybe we bailed that second cut. We thought we might have bailed a bit too soon, but it turned out it was still twenty five percent dry matter. You know, so it was was grand. It, it's actually I'm feeding that second cut now um, to to Wainlands. It's going in as part of a mix to the Wainlands, and I'm also feeding a little bit of it to four month old calves that are weaned calves autumn born calves there and it's it's really palatable they're really fond of it you know so i'm hoping to maybe continue feeding that to them and it, it might uh, maybe hold back or, or uh, save a little bit on meal with them now for the next two or three months and when you tested the silage martin and sent it off what was the nutritive value of the silage well the, the first cut came back at uh, 73.6 uh, dmd and the second cut came back at 75.4 DMD. And um, as far as I know, that it, it, it actually feeds out better than the results as far as I think Nikki had been saying in Grange that, it, that whatever, I, I don't really understand the proteins and different things like that, maybe to that degree, but uh, it, it seems to feed on the on the higher side of the, the test results. Um, and I'd be inclined to agree with that, you know, just from my experience, it seems to be, it seems to be, especially it's very palatable now, um, uh, especially for that second quarter in September. Um, you know, it, it's very palatable as far as the, those calves are concerned and they go for it straight away. You know, they're, they're really fond of it. So it's, it's great sign. I'm happy with that. That's great. And I suppose given the good weather last autumn and the high temperatures, growth continued to be high well into the autumn. How did you manage the red clover coming into October, November time of the year? Yeah, that, that's probably maybe a weak spot now. Um, we we went in grazing it in October. Uh, we, we grazed about half the ground, about five acres, and we, we were doing that in, in acre paddocks. Um, and it was it was a little bit difficult. I didn't know, was I being um, a bit hard on it because the weather, weather was getting bad at the time and ground was getting soft. So we were trying to graze it out as best we could, but we mightn't have been grazing it as tight as we'd like. And um, anyway, we were about halfway through when I had to take them out again. And we we waited. And actually there during the frost, uh, I think it was, was it early, just end of November maybe, um, we got back in that time for two and a half weeks and we got the remainder, the, the, the second five acres grazed out uh, grand. Uh, so we're quite happy with that. But I, I'm not sure. That, that's probably something, a weak spot in the system maybe that, you know, if you have a high cover on it going into the back end of whether you'll be able to get it grazed off properly or not to give enough of light and air and that to the the clover going forward, you know. So um it'll be interesting. Now there was one or two paddocks maybe that would have grazed 
might have got slightly damaged more than you'd like. So it'll be interesting to see how they are going forward now. So we'll have a fairly direct comparison in the field as to, as to how severe one can go or not, Catherine, you know. I suppose, how did you find grazing and clover? I suppose a lot of farmers have issues or concerns around bloat. Had you any issues with bloat or how did you prevent it? Well, I didn't. Uh, no, I was aware of that and we, we kind of um, took precautions. I would be grazing an adjacent field at the time. Um, so I, I know the first morning we put the care of the Wainlands in, in for grazing, we had, we had them let into a fresh paddock for two or three hours of normal grass. And we also had given them their, their couple of kilos of meal. So they went in kind of full and uh, we had absolutely no issue with them. Um, then as long as I suppose they don't gorge on it or they're not too hungry at some stage, I suppose that's something you'd have to keep an eye on, I'd imagine. But we had no issue with it doing it that way now, Catherine, yeah. And this is the first year that you'd put in Red Clover, Martin. What advice have you for farmers that would be considering putting in Red Clover this year that you'd have liked to have known this time last year when you were in the same situation? Um, well, I, I suppose I, I was probably very lucky with the year and the way the year came. Uh, that we got to harvest the crop in good conditions on both occasions and we got it grazed out reasonably well. So, like, not every year is the same. Um, I suppose I, I would be kind of used to reseeding and whatever. So, like, uh, I suppose... Uh, the peas and keys are important. Um, lime is important. I suppose tilling it properly as well. Your post-emergence spray. Um, and I think you'd need reasonably good ground, Catherine, because um, I'd just be afraid of having a nice crop that if you couldn't get into harvest it maybe in reasonable time that, you know, you'd be losing out a little bit. So, um, you know, I think you'd have to plan the ground you wanted to, to reseed with red clover, you know, to get the best juice out of it. Now, that's my my advice, maybe, or opinion. No, oh, that's great, Martin. And I suppose for the year ahead, what's your plan for the coming months with this field of red clover? Well, it's grazed out now um, to the best of our ability. So I'll be um, getting into that with slurry as, as soon as possible, whenever the weather permits. And we'll be putting probably 2,500 gallons of, of uh, slurry on it as soon as possible. And I, I think... I think that's it then. We we just close the gate on it and, and I'd be going in as early in May as possible to get a cut off it. You know, I'd, I'd like to, to get, a, get a crop off it early to get top quality silage. That's what I'd be looking for. Uh, like either feeding it to Wainlands or feeding it to the finishing cattle. Um, it's, it's crucial if I can get good quality silage. That's really where the big savings are for me anyway, you know, trying to finish bulls particularly, you know. Thanks very much, Martin. That's great. That's grand. Okay, Catherine. Thank you. The Chagas Dairy B500 campaign will be running two important conferences on January the 19th in the Talbot Hotel Clamel and on January 26th in the Charleville Park Hotel Charleville. Further details are available on the Chagas website and the link will be available in the podcast text. That's all for this week's episode and my thanks to Martin for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.